Mr. Pop. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to pair Jamar Chase and Jerry Rice as your two wide receivers in fantasy football? Have you ever wondered what it would be like to start Barry Sanders and Patrick Mahomes in your fantasy football lineup? Then this is the place for you. Encore Fantasy, the only place where the fantasy stars of today face off against the legends of yesterday. There are a lot of fantasy games out there that do simulations. Encore Fantasy is taking actual games from these players' past. It's not simulating them. It's not a guess. You're actually getting a Fred Bolitnikoff game, not what Fred Bolitnikoff might have done at some point. Whether you are new to fantasy football or a better know game, we have something for you. This is the Encore Fantasy Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Encore Fancy Podcast. I am your host, Ben Secker, joined alongside me with Michael Michaud. Say hi, Michael. Hi, Ben. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Michael. Happy New Year. It is a new year. 2022 has ended and 2023 is upon us. And as we kind of get ready to move ahead and talk about that a little bit more, obviously we join everybody in the football community and sports world in Sending our thoughts and prayers to Demar Hamlin and his family. I've never seen anything like that in a football game. It's really shocking to to see that happen, and it is a sobering moment that talks just a little bit about the, you know, the violence of the game that is there. Michael, I think you know a little bit more about this than I do, but that being a, a very random occurrence that takes place there. It's just really jarring. You don't want to see it. Eventually, they got around to it and they did the right thing of calling the game and postponing it so everybody can go and the players can go and be with them. But truly, our thoughts and prayers with DeMar Hamlin and his family. Yeah, I've read about uh, what could cause such an event. Um, and it seems to be just a completely random thing. We've seen players in other sports, Christian Eriksen for Denmark last year, collapse on the field. His wasn't from a hit. There are certain injuries that are like part of the plan per se, right? When you watch sports, you're like, okay, a guy hurt his leg or tore his ACL. No one wants to see that. It's terrible, but that's the risk that you take. And we never really factor in mentally something like this. It breaks the brain a little because you're just not expecting to see it. And no one is not in that environment, not ever, unless you work in the medical community. And so it's just very jarring. You said it well, certainly uh, thinking about him, hoping for a swift recovery and that he gets out of the hospital soon, can go back to Baltimore. He seems, I didn't know much about him, seems like an amazing guy, ran a bunch of really cool charities that people have donated to. So certainly that's a positive that has come yeah. out of this. I, I wish it hadn't come to that, but best wishes for a, a swift recovery for Hamlin. It's a positive thing when you can see people come together like that. I think uh, the charity raised like $100,000 in the first 10 minutes, $300,000 in like yeah. the first 20 minutes. And I think I, last I saw it was up to $3.5 million. And, you know, I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's good to see the good side of humanity come from that where everybody kind of comes together and you know, everybody's part of Bill's mafia for this one, for sure. So we have fewer and fewer things seemingly in our culture that bring us together like this or that bring us together generally. So everything is so antagonistic, but we do seem to see in a lot of moments like this where people are like, this guy supported these important, these, these causes, which are great. We can, you know, help out in that way and, and people come through in that regard. So that is, again, unfortunate to see, you know, that it was only the result of something terrible that led people to that, but there is a silver lining there and hopefully an additional silver lining that he ends up uh, being okay. I don't know if he'll ever play football again, but that's irrelevant, right? I mean, he's alive and hopefully can continue on his his normal life. It's interesting because you do see people who do try to capitalize on this for the nefarious reasons of, well, you can't call a game because X, Y, and Z and blah, 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 all this goes into it. But, you know, 
Uh, there's probably hundreds of thousands of fantasy leagues and bets that were on the line with that game. And I would bet that most of those people are more than happy to have those things wait while we figure out what's going on there. I kind of go out a little bit to the folks that had to make the call, the coaches, the league, because there's a lot of stories that go on out there and you don't know how to react in that situation. And of course, we're all sitting at our computers saying, cancel the game immediately, do this immediately. And by no means is the NFL a victim in this part, but there's a lot of logistics and items that go into canceling a game when you yeah. have that sort of thing. And, and one person made a, a point that I think is salient. You also don't want to cancel the game immediately and start an exodus while you've got first responders trying to get out of the stadium. And you've got to clear things through the NFLPA and all of this process. So there was no good outcome to what happened in Monday night's game. No. But our hope is, is that he's stabilized and that the recovery happens there. Yep. Um, I'm with you on that. There's no good decision. There are bad decisions, but there's no good decisions that can be made. I think the NFL made the right decision and they're not going to resume that game this week. And like you said, there are implications to that game. ESPN was hyping it all weekend as being the biggest Monday Night Football game in a while. And like you said, you, me, I had fantasy sports on the line last night, but I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's the most irrelevant thing. It's just another thing in what has been a strange NFL season. It's been just I don't know why it's been so strange. And I certainly don't want to equate what happened with the statistical anomalies of, of the year. But like taken as a whole, 2022 NFL season is, I'd call it COVID hangover two years later, I guess. But you've got a lot of injuries to a lot of players, a lot of stars not producing, a lot of randoms producing, which is good stories. I mean, it's always good stories when you get the guys who are on their second chance and they're getting a chance to do stuff. It's just been a weird year in football. And that has made fantasy football a very odd thing to get your arms wrapped around. Every league that I'm in, guys are sitting there throwing their arms up going, what do I have to do now? Jarek McKinnon is the all-star of fantasy football. Like, who saw that coming? <laughs> yeah, in a weird way. And, and again, like you said, this is not to equate any of that with with what happened but it has just accentuated the randomness of sports generally and fantasy specifically this year like you said we are a fantasy football podcast so that is what we're going to talk about understanding that it's not as important as some other things but still like it 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 has it has accentuated how weird this football season has been in a lot of ways. I think in light of this weekend's games that did go that did go through, there was a lot of talk how, oh, in the end of November, there were all these teams in the AFC, like the Jets and the Dolphins and uh, one other team. I can't remember who they are, but they were right in the thick of the playoff race. Now they've all lost five games in a row and everything's been switched and blah, blah, blah. And the fact that Jarek McKinnon has basically turned into the fantasy MVP at the tail end of the season is like, well... You know, why do we even go through the whole <laughs> preseason rankings draft process? Yeah, it's going to be the case. I mean, listen to this. This is these are your these are your top scoring quarterbacks from this last week in fantasy. Tom Brady, fifty three points, who has basically been benched this entire year. But I guess, but but if it, but, he comes back, but if you were told at the beginning of the season that in the last week Tom Brady would be the leading scorer at the beginning of the season, you would have been like, yeah, yeah, I could see it. That's not crazy to me. Yeah, well, number two is Daniel Jones, which is a little crazy. He had 40, <laughs> 41 points. Now that's crazy. Number three is even crazier because now Jarrett Stidham is in the conversation. Welcome oh my God. to the NFL, Jarrett Stidham, who oh followed McDaniel over from New England to Las Vegas and appears to be replacing Derek Carr, at least for now. Yeah, what um, is Pat happening? Pat Patrick Mahomes checks in at number four, which there, okay, that makes sense. That We, we got one that makes sense. Then it's Sam Darnold. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. 
Then it's Deshaun Watson. So there's a blast for the pass. And then the ninth quarterback overall is the much maligned Russell Wilson. Oh, nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. Uh, Nobody knows it. The NFL in the the 2022 NFL season is the strangest thing. It's just the strangest thing. I I just, I don't know what you can do. I, yeah, I just. (sighs) Can I tell you what's the most strange about that? As a Giants fan, the Giants hadn't scored more than 30 points in 44 games before this weekend's game against the Colts, uh, which in the modern NFL is inexcusable as a Giants fan. Think of how many Giants games I watched where I knew they weren't going to score 30 points. They, they usually didn't even score 20 points, but to then see Daniel Jones put up four total touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make sense. There's, there's not as, as, uh, as Joe Bluth says about uh, rock, paper, scissors and arrest development, there's not a lot of logic to it. So what are you going to do? Well, we, we do like looking at the positive things in that are out there. And, and one of the things that always brings a little bit of a smile is kind of looking back at some of the past performances, right? That's our whole thing at, at EFG is we look back yes. at the past sports performances, the past fans performances. And so we, we, with this show, we've, we've chopped full loaded it of old V youngs, you know, current players versus old players and what that looks like. And this is a good time for us to kind of go back and do that. So we did a couple of different things here and we're going to talk about both of them. One, and our last, uh, our last pool of 2022, I put together a team of all historical players. Michael put together a team of all current players. And then we yeah, did a yeah. third entry of a mix of current and historicals. And so what we tried to do with these three teams was come up with a blend of like the best team you could put together on paper of those two teams and to see how each one would stick out. And I will tell you, Michael, the results were nothing short of poopy. Yeah, it was like, uh, <laughs> it, you know, we are, our, our fantasy is PPR, right? Which generally leads to higher, higher scores. Uh, not this week. Nope. I mean, no, the current team was poop. The old team was poop. And our and, and the mixed, mixed team, team was, was poop. Though, it was my extra crusty poop. My team was the mixed team. It was very poopy. Very, very poopy. The, the all current team, which was Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, Chris Godwin, Miles Sanders, Ezekiel Elliott, Isaiah Pacheco, and Darren Wall. That's a good team, by the way. In 2022 fantasy, team. that is a good team. It Those guys team. pop out points and didn't score 100 points, did not score 100 points, was not good. Granted, um, granted, uh, Josh Allen obviously didn't have a full game's worth, uh, for points, but. There were, I mean, I can speak to this in another league where I needed Justin Jefferson to have a week and he got one catch. The Eagles couldn't pass the ball and apparently they also couldn't run it. Miles Sanders didn't get anything. Zeke didn't have a good game on Thursday night. There was plenty, plenty of duty to go around on, on that team for sure. Yeah, not ideal. Not ideal. Uh, 92 points in a full point PPR where we give six points per passing touchdown. This is not a good score. 92 points. What's... Also not a good score is the 89.7 points, which is very close that the historical team got. And that was with Peyton Manning kicking in 20 points, Barry Sanders kicking in 19 points, Kellen Winslow. So the historical team was Manning, Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, uh, Barry Sanders, Earl Campbell, Ladanian Tomlinson, and Kellen Winslow. Star-studded. Absolutely star-studded. And Man. it was complete feast or famine. You had complete four guys double you had four guys in double digits, then you had four guys in single digits, including one of whom had 0.4 points and another Julian Edelman who had 1.7. You went you went with both of Tom Brady's favorite white receivers and Wes Walker had a game, 16.7 points, and Julian Edelman did not have a game, 1.7 points. Yeah. So Earl Campbell, yeah. 0.4 points. I mean, 
it just uh it was just it was one of those things where but it, it it really goes to show you whether you're playing with current, whether you're playing with historical, everybody can have a bad week, right? Like it, it is one of those things where like these are both very star-studded teams and it's kind of strange that they both had a bad week at the same time because obviously the historical polls are random, but I know there's something to that. Uh, 89.7 to 92 points. And then the, the team that was a blend team, which was historical and live. Yeah, which is my team. It was yep. yours. We had Andrew Luck at quarterback. We had Jamar Chase at wide receiver, Des Bryant at wide receiver, Juju, who's been having a pretty good year. He was a wide receiver and it's current. Terrell Davis, all time great running back at running back. Alvin Kamara having a good year. Tiki Barber at running back for historical and then Daniel Bellinger. Interestingly enough, the current players were pretty bad on this team. Obviously, oh, Jamar yeah. Chase had incomplete data. But he had a zero. He didn't get a catch yet. Juju Smith-Schuster Juju had, had a bad game. Kamara had a bad game. And Bellinger had a decent game. Daniel Bellinger was basically the best out of all of the white yes. guys with 7.2 points. I mean, Kamara had in terms points, of, but you did. Yeah, but in terms, of, in, terms of, in terms of Delta to projected points, Daniel Bellinger was the clear best performer. Yeah, but De- I mean, Des Bryant had 17 points. Tiki Barber, 23 points, popped in with that one. I mean, these guys kicked in with some pretty good points there. Tiki Barber had 86 rushing yards and a touchdown. He had six catches for 24 yards. Very efficient in the passing game, Tiki Barber was. Six catches for 24 yards. Oh, God, that must have been a game with Eli Manning. Sweet Jesus. Just, just what you look for in that one. There were some good historical players that popped up in the standings, though. Le'Veon Bell had 170-yard rushing performance that was on one team. Sterling I think Sharp. This is, it was Sterling Sharp's best game of the season that we've seen by far. Might be his only one, but it was for sure the best. Callan Winslow has been picked a couple times, and I'm pretty sure this was his best game of the season. Eight catches for 108 yards, which is pretty good for 18.8 points. So, yeah, we did see some. So I think this was Des Bryant's best game of the season. He's been picked fairly often, but I think 17.7 points is the best we've seen from him. And we know that he has a ton of good games on the board. He, he does. He has had some good games on the board. And we'll get into that in a little bit, too, because one thing we'll talk about, we have the season totals and the average points scored by these players. And we'll kind of look at what guys, what the legends have done versus what the current guys are doing and, and all of that. But it was a pretty bad week for current players. A lot of negative deltas in the current players. A lot of that. Justin Jefferson is the worst. Yeah. Minus 20 uh, on his delta. That is... Oh. That's a that's a league loser right there. Which is funny because he had been a complete league winner up to this point. Like the only reason a lot of people were in the championship game this year was because of Justin Jefferson. And then to have him lay that kind of egg after Jair Alexander talking some smack. That was something else. Yeah. Tony Pollard minus 14 points. Well, he didn't play. So that's what I'm saying. You lose that one. That's another guy who carried people on. Well, the other thing is he didn't play and Zeke still didn't have a good game. That's you know, true. What, 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 what are you going to do with, with Ezekiel Elliott? Nothing. Nothing. No, there's nothing to be said. I also hate the Cowboys. So I'm not going to speak on this because it, it won't be unbiased. <laughs> well, that's, that seems strange that you would dislike the Cowboys and the Giants fan. That's, that's odd. <laughs> At least. I know. Weird, right? At least the good thing is, is that, you know, that the Cowboys are always going to Cowboy and they'll never actually win anything. So there's always that. Yeah, that's true. I do have that. We all, you know what, Ben? We all have that. But, you know, any given Sunday, somebody can win a game. Broncos almost took down the Chiefs. So we can talk about that for a quick minute. But they, but they, but they didn't. So, but they, but they didn't. 
Uh, that's true. Well, we got beat by the zebras on that one. Uh, so what can you, what can you do? Phantom offensive PIs and Russell Wilson getting ripped in three pieces after the play was called dead by Chris Jones. The NFL does have a roughing the passer issue. You've got yes, they do. Tom Brady getting nudged by Chris Jones in one clip and Russell Wilson getting body slammed by Chris Jones in the other clip. And which one do you think the fight comes in on? You don't need to tell me. I, I just know the answer to that one. <laughs> Everybody knows the answer to that. As we go through this, more and more we see that like it's a pretty even game when you're bringing in these these past legends and you're playing them against current guys. There's a lot of parity there. There's every week you could have one or the other. Every week you have one or the other in there. The blend seems to be pretty good. And, and given the inconsistency of the NFL today, where again, like we we talked about, you've got Jared Stidham as the number three quarterback. One, sure, you know Jared Stidham's going to start, but you don't think he's going to be the third best fantasy quarterback. You know he's going to start, but are you picking him for your team? No. Unless you're completely desperate. No, you're not picking him. If your league goes to week 18 and the Raiders are playing this week, are you picking him for your team if you need a quarterback? I don't even think I would be this week either. No, you're going to start... Dak Prescott, who had 13 less fantasy points. You're going to start Gardner Minshew, who was filling in, who had 18 less points. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on in the football, in the, in, in the NFL. And to those of you who win your fantasy matchups, uh, your fantasy leagues, I tip my hat to you because you have a horseshoe so far up your <laughs> that I'm sure you print money at the casino when you walk in. That's all I can say. I certainly don't. That's not me. That's not my game. I'm not bitter about it at all. So one of the other things we did, and I mentioned this and our quest to see how do these guys stack up all the time? We've, we've been doing polls for a whole year, right? We've, we've pulled a weekly contest. We've done historical lineups, mixed lineups, current lineups, all that thing, right? Like we, we've, we've done the, we've run the gambit on it. We have a lot of data now. I wouldn't say it's complete data, but we have a lot of it. And we've been able to say, all right, of guys that have been picked multiple times on the legend side, how do they stack up in a per game scoring? You know, what does that look like? And it's pretty interesting stuff. So this year, four top scoring quarterbacks in the NFL who are over 30. Patrick Mahomes, 33.3 points. Josh Allen, 32 points. Jalen Hurts, 32 points. Joe Burrow, 30 points. There's a couple of quarterbacks that have been put several times on the historical side. Peyton Manning. In his yeah. polls, he's averaged 25.6 points. Pretty good. And Manning had a lot of years, had a lot of years that were not the most shall we say, awe-inspiring. Like his his early years with the Colts and his later years with the Broncos and some other years mixed in. But yeah, we, I mean, one of his games this year was you know a 47-point game and a 34 and a 27. And the difference is not that great from pulling Peyton Manning to picking you know Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, who are like no-brainers in fantasy this year. I think early, you know, on one of our earlier podcasts, you know, if you had Josh Allen and you're not in first or second place in your fantasy league, you're doing something horribly wrong. Well, Peyton Manning could have been that guy for you over the course of the year if you're playing on-court fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Or even better, and I'm glad you mentioned the Broncos, John Elway, <laughs> who was picked multiple times in multiple uh, pools and averaged 29.4 points per game. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Never mm -hmm. heard of the greatest, the GOAT. No, he's not. <laughs> I love John Owen, but I can't call him a GOAT. <laughs> of uh, course, you, as you should love John Owen. He's second best behind Peyton. CD. Right. That's fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything. It's not worth it. Oh, it's true. Cause you'd be a futile argument. You know, who also has two Super Bowls, but fewer losses in a Super Bowl is Eli Manning. So, you know, just think about that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that guy. That uh, guy. Look, we can all have our own greatest all-time quarterbacks. Just none of them could be Tom Brady. So I'm fine with it. I'm fine with that. I think we're all fine with that. A couple of legendary quarterbacks that really are they're they're right there in the mix with the points. I mean, they're not that over 30 score, which Mahomes is 33, Josh Allen's 32 points per game, Hurst 32 points per game, Burrow 30. But it drops off on the scoring in the league after that. The next closest one is Geno Smith at 24.5 points this year. Which, by the way, is exactly what the average was for Donovan McNabb when he was chosen this year. So, Oh, really? Yeah. So I know we like to think about modern quarterbacks and for sure a couple at the tippy top. But if you're filling out your encore fantasy roster with our point-based system of how much you can spend on your roster, if you don't want to spend that much, like 33 points on a Josh Allen, and you want to divvy that up between a couple of running backs, something like that, you can grab like a down, as we're showing, and as the data has proven out this year, that a choice like Peyton Manning or John Elway or Donovan McNabb is not that crazy. It's not going to hurt you too much. Yeah, that's exactly right. I will also say Randall Cunningham and Dante Culpepper both have Randall, big weeks. Yeah, we got to look at Randall Cunningham and see what his average was. Well, he was only chosen twice, so it's a little skewed. But he had a 46-point game and a 34-point game. So he was really high, but not as many, not as big a sample size as Elway or Peyton Manning. But he did have one 46-point game where he threw for five touchdowns and 447 yards. So pretty good. fun there. But that, yeah. that gives you a glimpse into the upside. So we know like uh, Justin Fields, I think, had a game because he ran all over the place and did all of that. Uh, you know, some of these guys who had the big games and Cunningham was one of those guys, like these historical players, they have those games where they go off and can compete at the top end with anybody. And as you can see, on an average, they can compete pretty good too. And it's not just quarterbacks, uh, running backs. So uh Dominic uh, Dominic Williams we talked about him all throughout oh, the whole season I couldn't stop talking about Dominic Williams he is a steady producer as they come and he was picked multiple times in our pools and he averaged 23.3 points which would have led all running backs in 2022 again we're talking average so it's not a cumulative point it's an average so you know Dominic Williams I think was picked six or seven times something like that whatever it is so it's fewer games than uh, were played, but also for the guys who have been hurt in the NFL this year and haven't played that many games or have missed games, it's still beating those guys. Yeah. Austin Eckler is the top running back this year, 23 points. Then yeah. it's Christian McCaffrey at 21 points, Josh Jacobs at 20, and everybody else is under 20 at that point, except for Jarek McKinnon over the last three weeks, who's been absurd. Where does Jarek McKinnon come There's from? no logic behind it. Stop trying to make sense of it because it doesn't make sense. It pains me more because two of those games were against the Broncos. <laughs> Well, yes, I'm aware that there's a personal connection to this pain and it's not just random, but there um, is a personal connection. If we were taking pre-draft running backs and who we might want on our team, Dominic Williams is scoring better than just about all the top running backs in the league. Now, again, just an average. And if you play Dominic Williams every week in Encore Fantasy, it it might turn out less because he was only picked, like you said, six times or so or seven times. But it's not nothing. And as you said, there are injuries too. So how many games did Christian McCaffrey play anyway this year? It's not that much more than six or seven. So it just goes to show that even guys like Clinton Portis had a big game. Todd Gurley had big games. Robert Smith had big games, just like the current active NFL players have big games. So you can find these scores in the historical annals. Interestingly enough, Williams isn't even the top scoring historical running back. And now remember, we've talked about this throughout the year, right? We've noted running backs, historical running backs tend to be better and more dependable than current running backs in in the system. The top scoring running back on average, Ricky Waters with 28.2 points a game. I 
would not have picked Ricky Waters as the leading running back. My and boy, was, Ricky. And he was picked in five different weeks. Yeah. That's not nothing too. That's a significant, in this game, that's a significant sample size. Honestly, he did better than Terrell Davis this year. The games that Terrell Davis was pulled weren't generally that good until this last one, which is kind of crazy. Priest Holmes was was pretty good as well, but that was only in two games. Ricky um, Waters, interestingly enough, had two different games that were pulled for him. He scored 29.8 points in both games, but they weren't the same game in two different weeks. And it wasn't the same game repulled. He had 121 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, three catches for 27 yards in one game. 124 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, four catches for 14 yards in the other game, same score. Oh, the guy's consistent. Ricky Waters should be a part of your encore fantasy football team. The guy is a legend. He puts up points. He puts up points. What a what a guy. And that's the that's the fun of this thing. Like you see how these guys are doing here. And there's always guys that kind of let you down too. I mean, there were some duds in there from a guy like Marshall Falk. I would have been high on Marshall Falk, and he didn't really perform that well this year. 13 points a game. That's fine. LT was chosen a bunch. And uh, he had one dynamite game, like one of the best games, 104 rushing yards and four touchdowns, six catches and 54 yards. But that was kind of it. Like there were a lot yeah. of people who chose Zadian Thomason and they didn't get good games. The running back's a good microcosm of the weirdness of the NFL season and kind of how these historical players relate back to the active players. One of our most picked players historically was Calvin Johnson. Historical wide receivers struggle a little bit on their overall points per season, whereas there was some pretty good scorers in the NFL this year. Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, all averaged over 20 points a week. The Cup obviously had a season shortened, but that doesn't matter. He still was a, a killer when he did it. I don't know that there was really any historical wide receivers that uh that graced us with such numbers as that calvin johnson picked multiple times almost in every single pool that was out there and he averaged 13 points a week well he had some high scores and then he had some really low scores so that's that's what hurt him he his his range was super wide a lot wider than some other players which i wouldn't actually expect from calvin johnson because he was someone who was on a lot of crappy browns teams but he was the only good player on a bunch of crappy Browns teams. And listen, there are duds in every player's NFL game log, but we're playing the averages. Projected points for Calvin Johnson based on his whole career is 18. That doesn't come from nowhere. And it just so happens that this season, the choices that people made, they got burned a little with, you know, a 2.7 game, one catch for 17 yards or a 3.2, two catches for 12 yards. And that's just kind of a tough break. Well, and I'd say a guy who kind of mirrored the 2022 receiving crop, there was some guys that had those feature family games. Like even Justin Jefferson had a couple of big eggs in between all of his big scores. And a guy that mirrored that on the historical side was Randy Moss. Randy Moss had two weeks where he had zero points because the games that popped up were not his games, to say the least. And then he had games of 25, 23, 36, 24, where like he just goes off and does rating loss things. He averaged 15.6 points on the season. It's a pretty interesting guy to toss in there. Maybe one of the better receivers overall. He probably would fit into that bill there as, as one of the top receivers on that side. The whole part of this, this initial season for us, the fun part of it was, what are these trends? How do these trends work? You know, what, what can we see if, if we do this for a full season? What do we see? How does the past stack up? And we, we hit on running backs in historical, a mix of quarterbacks and, and present and past. I maintain that wide receivers in the past are the greatest, even though statistically all the data is against me. When have facts ever stopped you from forming an opinion, Ben? When have facts ever stopped me? And then we've also established that historical tight ends that were in the forefront of the receiving tight end side are game changers. So Tony Gonzalez averaged 17 points a game. What did Kelsey average this year? I mean, he has had a good year, but... This is one of those things, though, is that 
when you're putting together your team on Encore, you have to piece together with the budget that you have. Where are you spending your points? Yeah, Travis Kelsey is valuable. And so was Mark Andrews for a period, but then he kind of fell off, especially when Lamar Jackson got hurt. If you're looking for tight ends, the historical tight ends in our game were better than some of the top historical tight ends that we're going to talk about, like Tony Gonzalez, Kellen Winslow, Ozzie Newsome, Gronk to some degree. They were better than every NFL tight end this year, except Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Right. He was the only one that was better than them that I would have put above him. That was an area, like you said, where we were looking this as the season began and we were trying to figure everything out. Like, how would this play out? What would it look like? It was new to us to some degree. That was one of the areas where we're like, oh, hey, this is a place where you can find value. The scores are going to be a little lower, the average scores, which means these players don't cost as much when you're building out your team. But you're going to get some good delta there. Like you're going to get some positive delta that'll put some points on the board for you. That's absolutely right. Guys like Jason Witten, 13 points a game. Yeah, uh, Jason Witten, perfect example. Yeah. Jimmy Graham is is a more feaster famine. I think he had some zeros and then he had some 33s and 22s. These guys that that really can go off Ozzy do some similar thing. But you generally were getting on average 10 to 15 to 17 points from these historical tight ends where you only have like eight guys and today's NFL that are getting 10 plus points a game at the tight end position. It seems like more teams are playing multiple tight ends. You know, Evan Ingram came out at the end of the season. Hawkinson made the, got the trade and has had a couple of good games with the Vikings. But generally it seems like, you know, if you're relying on a tight end, that isn't one of the top three tight ends. Uh, that's going to be it. That's going to be a gamble. And if you're playing this game, I'd rather gamble on, Tony Gonzalez or Jason Witten or Gronk. You know, Daniel Bellinger worked out for me this week for the Giants, but I would pick historical Tony Gonzalez over Daniel Bellinger. Let's put it that way. Something we'll have to do and see what decades guys produce the best because I'm looking at this and I'm seeing a lot of guys in the early 2000s, the 2000, 2010 range that are pretty, pretty good comparatively better than than the others. So like I think Randy Moss would fall into that. Priest Holmes would fall into that. Dominic Williams. Dominic Williams. So Ricky Waters would pull the 90s in a little bit. Cunningham pulls the 90s in a little bit. LA pulls the 90s in a little bit. Terrell yeah. Owens is the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I we'll have to we'll have to do dive a little deeper in that. Arian Foster averaged 25 points a game. Arian Foster, he, every time he showed up, he had a good game. He was another one. He another was. One. There's just some guys that you can get in that, that were so consistent on the historical side. Dang, man. Yeah, uh, that, that's a very interesting. We'll have to look at that one. You, you, you have very few guys going way back at the way back machine that really could help carry a team. Lance Allworth, Billy Sims, a couple of those guys that did that, but not really many others in the way back machine. We might have to do a we might have to do like a different decade team here for. Well, another another thing we can do in the off season is like you're only picking players from the '60s. You're only picking players from the '70s. You have your '60s team, your '70s team, your '80s team, your '90s team, and see what that looks like. I think we're going to have to do that. We play a whole season like that. We could play like five <laughs> games where you got your 60s team against the 70s team of Terry Bradshaw and uh, Franco Harris. Rest in peace, of course. Um, and, you know, Lynn Swan, I guess it's all just Steelers from the 70s. But you, you got what I mean. In the 80s, you got the 49ers. Mid-2000s, you got the Broncos or the Packers or whatever. I, that'd be fun. That's that's on the table for the offseason. Yeah, but it's something to, look, something to look forward to there. So the takeaway is there's parity here. 
There's a lot of parody here. It's a lot of fun. And, and we talked about this on the Encore side, and we do this right now with fantasy football, and it's been a, a great and fun season to kind of go through this experience and, and see all of this. And we'll be building this out as we go, where it can be applied to a lot of different sports. You want to go and see who is the best ACC basketball player of all time. All right. Let's, let's put it together. We could take the current players and the past players from the ACC and put them in a model and do it. You know, we always have that question. Who's who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest of all time at which sport? And we got the tool. kind of helps us find it. And this is giving us a lot of proof to the pudding of over time, it bears it out. Who is the greatest? And it might be Ricky Waters. <laughs> <laughs> unexpected. Unexpected. But hey, just looking at the numbers, Ricky Waters was a star in Encore Fantasy Games, Encore Fantasy Football this year. That's for sure. For sure. So it's something we'll go and we'll keep an eye on as we do many, many more of these pools and put more and more players in. And we'll just continue to keep our our database up to date there and, and take a look. So there you go. There's our Olds v. Youngs, a couple of different versions there. We had the lineups, which all were terrible, but equally terrible. We had the overall year averages, uh, some pretty interesting ones there. Obviously, the big takeaway from that was that historical wide receivers are the best. Nothing else to talk about there. People can't see it because it's on a podcast, but my eyes are rolling back into my head. So that brings us on to what has become a little fun segment for me because I'm on what could be called a heater. You're on a heater. My triple underpass pre-Christmas failed miserably (laughs) because the Patriots and Raiders scored like 40 points each, including the dumbest play industry to end that game that was before christmas but your the triple underpass listen, maybe not so much the jabberwocky the parlay jabberwocky jabberwocky Ooh. parlay is hot fire right now hot it fire. is so i believe i'm on seven straight hits this last weekend and they've been pretty impressive hits too so two weeks ago was the Vikings coming back from down 32 at halftime to win and carry that parlay. And now this last week was the 49ers in overtime. So for those of you who are familiar, I've developed a new parlay, which I have been putting into play weekly. That is you pick teams that are heavy favorites to win. Usually uh, they come in at a minus 200 or better and you lump them together to have three to five of them in one parlay. So it takes your odds from minus 200, minus 300 per team up to about plus 200 to win. Are you going to make a lot of money on this? Well, only Uh, if you bet a lot of money. Only if you bet a lot of money. The key to this is that you don't get greedy. So the hardest thing to do is to keep yourself from adding that one more team just because it makes your odds go up exponentially. So I identify the games that seem most likely to hit. This last week in my grouping, which was, again, my seventh straight hit doing this parlay, we had the Lions at home against the Bears. That was minus 230. We had the Giants at home against the Colts. That was minus 240. We had the Jags on the road against the Texans. 49ers were minus 430 and got the biggest challenge out of the Raiders because fighting Jared Stidham's, I don't know. So those are the four picks. Now, I did throw out a, if you wanted to get greedy pick to put on top of it, but I did put the caveat for this one because Jalen Hurts wasn't playing, there was a lot more risk with this. And that was the Eagles at minus 245 against the Saints. Obviously, the Saints won that game. So if you got greedy, you lost, which goes back to the point of... Don't get greedy. Don't get greedy and go the extra pick. All of that said, at seven straight on the Jabberwocky... I have my next one, which is next week's. And I got a little greedy on this one, Michael. I did five Uh-oh. picks on What this. is it? Oh, so, okay, all right. Got the Chiefs against the Raiders. That's minus 435. I've got the Bills hosting the Patriots at minus 340. And Bengals are hosting the Ravens at minus 315. I've got the Jags hosting the Titans. And then I got greedy on my last one. And this is the option that I would tell you to probably not play. I would just take the other four. But... 
I took the Cowboys against the Commanders at minus 190. You didn't take the 49ers at home to the Cardinals? No, because it was like minus 1070. So you didn't actually get like an odd boost with that. Too obvious. Yeah, too obvious. But if you took the safe picks, which were the Chiefs, Bengals, the Bills, and the Jags. That's your Jabberwocky for next week. And I think that gets you around like plus 210. Your return on that's pretty strong. So there you go. I have been getting a lot of feedback from people who are like number crunchers or who like trade commodities and trade stocks and all that. And they're like, no, what you're doing is not sustainable. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Who told you that? Bernie Madoff? What does he know? <laughs> What's he know? If it hits, you know, 65% of the time, it becomes a pretty strong betting strategy. And right now we're hitting 100% of the time. Now there's a key caveat this don't start doing this until like week six or seven of the nfl season you need to figure out all right who are the real teams in the season and who are the dogs in the season and that comes pretty clear as you get further on and at that point it starts to crystallize and every week you have three to five games that everybody knows what's going to happen in those games if you're betting the jabberwocky parlay in week one based on preseason power rankings you're dumb nobody knows anything wait to some data and then lean into the jabberwocky that's what it's about don't unleash it too early you'll get burned either way it's going to be seven and one or eight no which is pretty darn good that's pretty good what do you got what's what's your pick this week give us something this week we're going to try the triple overpass Instead of the triple underpass. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Over 49 for Lions Packers because the Packers defense, although it was pretty good on Sunday, the Vikings just didn't really show up at all. So I'm going to anticipate the Lions. This is a crazy sentence that I'm about to utter. I think the Lions are going to be able to put some points on the board on Sunday. Chiefs Raiders. The Chiefs just got shredded by Russell Wilson. And now, as you said, the the Raiders have the fighting Jared Siddham. I know you're taking the Chiefs and that's fine. Over under 52, I'm going with over. And then over under 40 Titans Jaguars, I'm going over. Derrick Henry will be back and the Jaguars put up points and they're really going to be gunning for it because they'll win the division if they win. So triple overpass. Chiefs Raiders over 52, Titans Jaguars over 40, and Lions Packers over 49. I like it. Jags and Lions both are fun teams this year. You know what the best part about the Jaguars is to me is that it makes Urban Meyer look like a complete moron. And I love anytime Urban Meyer looks like a complete moron. So I'm enjoying this. Well, there you go. There's our our betting expertise, as always, with a disclaimer. We are not liable for you doing anything. Please bet responsibly if you do bet. There you go. Pretty much all we got on today's show. It's been a fun season with the historical and the current players in the regular season. We'll have one more week here in the final week. And then we'll probably be moving into full historical lineups in our pool moving after that, which is something you can do all year round on Encore Fantasy Games. You can get on there. You can add friends to your fan club. You can talk with them about the lineups you're building. Get in there and play around and have some fun with it. We'll continue on the podcast. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the playoffs and everything else that's going on. We'll be looking ahead to our March Madness pool that we do every year, which is our Pick 22 pool. We'll have our co-founder Willie on to talk about that and tell you more about what Encore's got going on. And to all those out there who are in their fantasy championships, good luck. Congratulations if you won. If you lost, then you have brought shame upon your house. That's true. Game of Thrones style. You are excommunicated. You're out of the house. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Encore Fantasy, on Instagram at Encore Fantasy Games. That's where the action is. Our Twitter feed is objectively hilarious. It's been ranked in studies. Uh, You don't need to see the numbers, but uh, just trust us on that. Thank you for listening. Encore Fantasy Games doesn't stop when the NFL season stops. Got plenty of action we could do. We already teased some of it today. The teams, the 70s team, 80s team, 90s team. Follow us. Keep in touch. 
get on the site. We're going to be rolling out an app version of our game soon. Thanks again for listening and happy new year. Happy new year. Good luck in 2023. Thanks for joining (laughs) us on the podcast. This episode is history. I'm on what could be called a heater. Keep riding it. No shit, Sherlock. Hey, man, what the hell? You're about shame upon your house. People can't see it, but my eyes are rolling back into my head. So there it is. Proof in your face. Yes, yes, clearly. (laughs) 